Tony Piedras. It actually works. When you're like really tired, you just. I'm awake. <laughs> and that's it. You don't even need. You don't even need eight hours sleep. You're just ah. If I don't sleep, I just ah for like an hour, and I'm good to go. <laughs> I love that. That's <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> dumb. Yeah. Life hack. Is that like that? <laughs> you make the funniest faces. You scream. Do I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if someone ever scared you to the point of screaming, they'd be like, is he screaming or practicing a falsetto? <laughs> someone jumps out of the bushes and I'm like, You ah. <laughs> <laughs> sound a bit like Tom York. That's a huge compliment. It, it is, really. I'm a crip. I'm a weary. What the hell am I doing here? Atop of the staircase. Ooh, ooh, stairs <laughs> are so hard to go. Up. Man, we should do a Radiohead cover. <laughs> yeah, call us up, Tom York. How's it been, man? I haven't talked to you in a while. I feel like I haven't talked to you in like six months. Yeah. You went on like a camping odyssey, did you not? I went to a cottage for the weekend for three nights turned into four nights. Damn. I hope it wasn't because you got stuck in some inaccessible trap. Well, kind no, but there's going to, I'll tell you about that. But no, we ended up just like going, all right, I'll start at the beginning. Yes. So, you know, I've been really feeling the cabin fever and like, I just really needed to get out. So you went to a cabin? (laughs) (laughs) I went to a different set of four walls. (laughs) I was like, these four walls are not doing it for me. I need another set of walls. Preferably log walls? They were not log walls. But so I'm like, all right, well, let's go away. And then if I rallied a few friends who wanted to go and were available. In your accessible Scooby-Doo van? Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, it was me, another guy in a wheelchair, and then two girls. The same group that was at the Oysters. Right. I guess I didn't scare them away, choking almost to death. You know, when that guy came up and was like, what do you have? I guess what the answer was, was a very desperate desire to get away. To a cabin. To a cabin. Right. So I go on Airbnb. With women. Yeah, or just anyone at that point. (laughs) Just not alone, because I'd be stuck. Imagine me alone in a cabin, just like, okay, I'm ready to get up now. (laughs) Oh, wait. Hello? (laughs) You just start screaming. (laughs) (laughs) So I go on Airbnb, and um, with Airbnb, you can filter some accessibility stuff. Imagine there was Airbnb for wheelies called Chair B&B. <laughs> <laughs> That's just you renting out your wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not going anywhere tomorrow. You want my chair? <laughs> chair B&B. <laughs> okay, so I went on Airbnb. All right. And they have filters on Airbnb where you can like filter out accessibility needs. 
even say like, I need a barrier or like a step-free entrance or wide doors or you can even say like a ceiling lift. Really? Uh, yeah. I'm surprised that feature is so robust. I was going to make a joke that like they put the checkbox there as part of the filter div, but then they just forgot to like develop a backend for it. So it does <laughs> nothing. Yeah. If if you check off like ceiling lift, it just provides you with a forklift and you figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or a modal pops up with like TBD on it or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, mm, try chair Bambi. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. See, it's a real thing. No, so I check it off and there are no results, right? Like if I check off everything that I want, it's like, seriously? Yeah, it's like, fuck you. It's like, come on, be realistic. It's like you get a call like from your attendant care program and she's just cackling on the other end. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) nice try. You're sticking here. Yeah, yeah. You just hear the door of your like apartment entrance lock. (laughs) Yeah, when I'm like, I'm going to be going away for the weekend, cancel my calls. They're like, sure, okay, we'll be there. Yeah, they're like, good luck. (laughs) I'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I check off, um, you know, everything that sounds awesome. And then they're like, no stays. No, there are no places available. So then I start like dialing it back, you know, I'm like, well, okay, like, maybe I don't need a ceiling lift or... And I'm also checking off, like, amenities, like, you know, hot tub, because I would have loved the hot tub. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, you know, and then eventually I dial it back until I find some stays. The thing is, as you kind of alluded to accidentally, Airbnb doesn't do any sort of enforcing of people that say it's accessible. So when someone checks off when they're setting up their own listing, they can check off, you know, step free or something like that and then you look at the pictures and there's stairs everywhere so there's no way to actually validate whether or not something is or isn't accept- accessible it's totally up to the person posting their place and like what they deem accessibility to be exactly and then also uh, we were i was working in quebec which is right next door and generally a lot of cottages in that area because um, you're out of the city very easily, very quickly. So I, I think there's also a language barrier when people are checking off, you know, whatever the French version of barrier-free is. Here's a fresh take that is probably controversial, and I don't mean to be francophobic, but I always kind of assume that Montreal is super inaccessible. No, that's not an assumption. It is. I've been to Montreal a few times. The last time I went, maybe not the last time, but one of the last times I went, I went to a concert in Montreal. Yep, I did too. And it was so hard to get to the venue because the only public transit way to get there is with a subway. Yep. The stop is not accessible. I had the same experience. Yeah. And at the time I was with like three other shirtless dudes in their 20s because we went to Oceaga. Yeah. And I think it's mandated that you be drunk, sweaty, and shirtless the whole time. Uh-huh. Like between those three dudes, we really struggled to get me from point A to point B. Like I was the thing that ensured that my friends didn't get too drunk to function just by virtue of how hard it was to get me around. Yeah, because you knew 
pushing you around in a chair. Yeah. They have to remain sober enough to at least see where the curbs are. Or it would just immediately sober them up, whether they were drunk or not at the time. Yeah, I remember I went there and I ended up getting a cab, but only after I tried calling a cab in English a couple of times. Yeah. And they'd be like, yeah, sure, we'll be on the way. And then, <laughs> um, and then they didn't show up. So I tried again in my broken French. Uh-huh. And they're like, ah, oui, oui. And then they showed up. <laughs> because they want you to speak French to them. So I got there okay in a cab, but then on the way back, you know, it's crazy busy. Everyone's leaving at the same time. So I tried calling a cab again, and just all the cab drivers are like, there's no way I'm coming out there. So I ended up having to walk from like Parc Jean Drapeau in where Oshega was all the way downtown to where our hotel was. Which is what? I don't know. I don't remember like an hour, probably a bar. Oh, God, that sucks. Yeah, it sucked more for the person actually walking. Yeah, of course. Than, than me. But anyway, so yeah, I've had mixed experiences. If you're just going and you're sort of sticking within a walkable radius or you're bringing your own vehicle, it's manageable, but it's an old city too, right? So it's funny that balance between like, optimal gentrification when you want to seem cultured and like your your space reflects a certain amount of history versus the pressure to be inclusive and like invite people of a variety of different experiences and needs into your space yeah it's just like well these stairs are nice but disabled people might want to come here what if we take away three of the stairs and some of the disabled people can come Yeah, we just allow like a certain portion of half ambulatory disabled people. Yeah. I just wanted to say that this is a point I've made it in previous episodes, but I really do think it would be awesome if we figured out a a way to force like businesses to put up accessibility ratings like on their windows just the same as they do like their food quality rating. Yeah. And then if if they're completely inaccessible, then they have to post a picture of a wheelchair with an X through it. Or disabled people eat free or something. But how would they eat? They can't get there. <laughs> Does it mail you a croissant? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we ended up going an hour outside of Montreal. Uh-huh. I was looking at the listings, found a place that said it was completely step-free, basically checked off enough of the boxes that I was happy to go. Mm -hmm. So I book it, and, you know, we're we're getting excited at this point. And I even messaged the host a few times before that. I'm like, just making sure that this is actually accessible. Um, It's going to be two people in wheelchairs, so, like, to give you an idea of what I mean by accessible. She's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. It's, It's all... One floor, no steps. Um, the only issue is I'm not sure if there is a spot beside the toilet for a chair for someone to transfer in. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Because the way we can do it is like I can go up in the Hoyer lift and then have someone push the Hoyer lift over the toilet and I'll just hang over the bowl. No big deal. I've done that before. You've hung over the bowl from a Hoyer lift? Yeah. How many 
like how what is the distance between your ass and the toilet seat you can lower it so it's you're touching <laughs> i was just thinking like do you have to fucking aim while you're shitting like every time i try i go a little it's like you know when you're trying to pour milk and you try to raise the pitcher up as high as you can <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's what i do so i'll start peeing and then we'll put the lift up higher and higher and we'll see how long i can how high i can go and still go in the toilet yeah it's called cirque de chate <laughs> sure is and it's my favorite sport so anyway <laughs> I've at this point we've committed we like okay we can do this um we'll make it work you know then i book it and then as soon as you book it you get like the satellite view because you get the address so then you can go on google maps and actually look at the place and i see i sort of start to understand the layout and stitch all the pictures together in my mind and i realize that there's a step to get in Hmm. and i'm like oh okay so right away uh that's not what i was expecting so i look through the pictures again and i see there is a door with a step and so I messaged the host again, and I'm like, hey, uh, is this the front door? Because that, to me, looks like a step. You know, I already am on high alert because I had messaged another cabin before this. And I'm like, hey, you guys say that you have no steps to get in, but every single picture has stairs in it. So it's like steps throughout the house and into the house. And like, there's steps to get into the washing machine. <laughs> there's like steps into each cupboard. The fridge is up a flight of stairs. The freezer is down a flight of stairs. It's outrageous. And so I messaged them and they respond, oh yeah, no, there are stairs everywhere. Yeah, they like, you're like, oh, there's an arbitrary pit of spikes in the middle of the living room. Yeah, I noticed that there's a tire puncture station. There's like a, a, a block of quicksand. And there's that picture you were referring to of a wheelchair with an X to it. Yeah. It's hilarious to me that you essentially have to become a private detective to figure out if you can go somewhere. Yeah, I, I literally had to, I found, I, I, I went on Google Maps and went to satellite view, zoomed in, saw, and then I started to be able to stitch all the images together. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's, the, that's actually the front door. So I go back to Airbnb, then I blow up that image, enhance, enhance. Right, right. I zoom in and I see... A step, and then I'm trying to like look around the image for scale to see how accessible the place is. The whole time you were doing this was like the was your bedroom blue lit, and there was like some odd electronica in the background and camera zooms, and it turned out you were uh, an investigator for a crime scene unit. Yeah, I had like monitors everywhere, and I was on a swivel chair. All of a sudden, you were doing, like, ballistics for something? Yeah, exactly. Right, Let me find a picture to show you. The thing is, I would not have been smart enough to figure this out beforehand. I would have been like, yay, I'm going camping. (laughs) Okay, attendance assemble. Let's go. Okay, bye. And then we get there. And the people I'm with would have been like, fuck, Jamie, like, you have to know these things. And I would have been like, fuck, I wish I was Tony. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing is, like, I know... It's 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 sort of on me. Don't fucking say that. It's not on you. Come on now. Like if I'm going to a restaurant with a vegetarian, uh-huh. is it on me to go ahead and be like, 
here's all the options they'll eat first. Like, yeah, I can do that. But ultimately, that person should be like, oh, this menu doesn't look good for me. We should go somewhere else. But there's a limit to the amount of due diligence that you should have to do. Like, it almost feels like it's to the point where they're deceiving you just to make sure they get your business. And that that is probably not the case. Like, it probably just is accessibility ignorance. Yeah, but I just think they don't understand. People who, who claim that they are accessible enough to accommodate power chairs should have to, like, sign an agreement that we're at the point where you agree to stay at their venue. They are immediately liable if if it turns out that you can't do something essential. Like, they should give you a 30% discount if it turns out that you can't hang your Cirque du Soleil <laughs> Hoyer lift over the top of the toilet. Okay, so this is what I found. Can you see this? Oh, yeah, okay, I see. Look at that step. Yeah, so that's a real step. My focus is lying to you. So I look here and I'm like, okay, that's not too bad. Like a couple, a small ramp should make it work. You know, no big deal. No, those two lips look dangerous. I messaged her and I'm like, is this the front door? Because that looks like a step to me. And we just talked about how accessible it is. No, she's like, excuse me, that is one of those, how you say, accessible uh, steps. Yeah, it's one of the steps designed for wheelchairs. It will accommodate your power chair. It will be better than a flat surface. <laughs> you crazy English man. Have you not used a wheelchair? So I message her. <laughs> She's like, yeah, there's one step. But again, this is two steps. Well, why was she being as, so sassy? Yeah, there's one step. What the fuck do you want from me? I think she was being nice because she did she did offer up the, you know, I don't think it's universally accessible in that I don't think a wheelchair would be able to fit beside the toilet. Are you again giving her the benefit of the doubt, Tony? Yes. Because oh. I don't think she was Tony Soprano <laughs> renting out a mob house. I wish she was Tony Soprano. I'd go stay there. Yeah, you would. You wouldn't even care how accessible it is. No, no. Like, I'll sleep outside. Who cares? Yeah, I'll sleep on top of the stairs. I'll just reach her home and crawl in. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, we can bring a ramp or two and we'll make it work. So we still decided to go ahead with it because it was super last minute. It was a very nice cottage. Like it's right on the water. It looks great. So mm-hmm. we, we get there, we drive there, it's like a three-hour drive. We pack everything into the van, which is nuts, you know, when there's four of us packed into one van. And, like, traveling with a disability just inherently means more luggage, like almost twice as much per person. Yeah. Because I, I have to bring my machine so I can breathe at night, and then I have, like, my own duffel bag with my clothes, and then I have like a machine just in case something bad happens. I also brought furniture risers because the beds in these places are often too low for someone to comfortably help me like get dressed or whatever without just burning out their back after one night. Or they're like right to the ground and so a lift won't even fit under the bed. So I brought furniture risers yeah, like I brought a U-Haul truck and I brought a team of three other consultants. <laughs> and the, oh, by the way, the Canadian Secret Service, I brought that too. Trudeau wasn't using it. 
Yeah, Trudeau came along for the ride because <laughs> um, I was auditioning for the new Deputy Minister of Disability and Cottage Travel. <laughs> and so we get there, and the scale of this picture is deceiving because immediately this step looks twice as big as it does in the picture. Oh, oh, they did like a perspective switch? Yeah, like again, I don't think it was intentionally. This will trick the wheelies into coming here. So we make the ramps work, but it's pretty steep. Like steep enough that we're like kind of scratching up the ramps to get to the right angle. Kind of have to take a run at it. Are you able to keep your neck in a safe position? No, I every time someone had to help me with my hand sort of getting in or getting out or my head like it was it was precarious to say the least it got pretty intimate yeah but not in a fun way oh that sucks in a way where at the end of it you're like okay well i hope those furniture risers are useful (laughs) so we get in and then we noticed the bathroom door and the bathroom door was like maybe one and a half feet wide. Oh my God. It, like a universal door, I think is like 24, 28 inches. And then a wide door is like 32 or something. It was a closet door. There's absolutely no way a wheelchair is getting into the bathroom, but also a very wide person would not be able to get into the bathroom. Your English and your wide dolls. Stop putting so much cheese on your croissant. If you take a nice dump and then you get out of the bathroom and have a feast, you might not be getting back into the bathroom. (laughs) So that was a little bit crazy. Did you have like any makeshift door wideners like in your big tool set of accessibility things? Yeah, so I didn't bring my door wideners. (laughs) I've since purchased an extra set of door wideners. (laughs) I started to panic because, you know, I had already thought that I was accounting for everything. So I started looking through the messages again just to see if she did, in fact, say, by the way, the door is four inches wide, so you won't be able to get in in your wheelchair. She did say a wheelchair won't fit beside the toilet. But in my mind, that just meant, like, there's no space beside the toilet. Right. But I wasn't thinking the door is smaller than probably what is considered legal. So do you think something was being lost in translation here? Like it would have been better if you could speak French to her? No, I don't think so. I think it was just she wasn't considering the width of the door. Right. I think she was considering the layout of the bathroom, but not can someone even get into the bathroom. I'm not sure. But we just go into like, you know, contingency mode. We're here. We're not leaving because of this. So I guess long story short. You didn't take a piss or a shit the whole time? I ended up, well, pissing was an issue because I had my urinal. So I could just go in like my bedroom. And, Wait, you're about to tell me you didn't take a shit for four days. So for shitting, <laughs> I hung in the sling. Oh, dang. In the commode. And I hope she never hears this. But we used her bowl that was probably there for popcorn. And lined it with garbage bags and then just sat in that. Oh my God. So no water? 
Nope, just dry shits into garbage bags. Oh, Tony. And then someone had to wrap up the garbage bag, throw them into the dumpster. My God, if this is not a fucking PSA for making accessible spaces, then the world can go fuck itself. Imagine I just left a bag there. <laughs> like, just so you know, bathroom wasn't accessible. Here's the proof. <laughs> like, that's that's your, like, your, like, Insta food porn is actually just what you had to go through to take a shit at the B&B. Yeah, like, I'm an accessible auditor for airbnbs and if it's not accessible that's my calling card <laughs> i just leave a bag of shit in the living room <laughs> oh that's good yeah so that happened and uh, you know we made it work i will say like we thoroughly washed out the bowl and i'm sure i would love it if she was listening to this episode eating popcorn <laughs> <laughs> i mean i really do hope that um the garbage bag did what it needed to do mm-hmm. and that no actual fecal flakes ended up in her cornflakes. Right. But jury's out. Jury's out. See, the other thing is all of the pictures were like, I don't understand why people with Airbnb, like just be super generous with your photography. Take a thousand pictures. All the pictures were like, here's a picture of the toilet. Here's a picture of the shower. Just take a few steps back and show me a picture of what it looks like from the front door. Then show me a picture of what it looks like like before you get into the bathroom. So you just get an idea of the layout, you know? This is a microcosm, basically, of what able-bodied people don't have to think about ever when they're exactly. operating their bodies in the real life in real life. But they didn't have to think of, oh yeah, that's actually a really narrow door. I still don't think it was up to code, honestly, because there was a closet in my bedroom and the closet door was bigger than the bathroom door. Wow. Like, it, it just was not accessible. But luckily, and, you know, I thank my friends for this, the people that came to help me. They were all very open minded about the situation and they weren't like, are you serious? Well, I guess you're not shitting. They were like, OK, well, we'll find a way to make this work. You know, I would have been constipated the whole weekend. No, there was no way. I definitely didn't go as often. Like, usually I try to go every day. Yeah. But I skipped the first day because I was just not emotionally ready to shit in the popcorn. Bowl. <laughs> not emotionally ready. <laughs> I was not. <laughs> I, I, she came in in the morning. She said, you want to go to the bathroom today? And I was like, not feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the next day I was like, you're like, my bowels do, but my heart is heavy. <laughs> my bowels tell me yes. <laughs> <laughs> but my body, my body is telling me no. So, but then all day, the day I didn't shit the first day, I basically was like prepping myself and everybody around me. Like, gonna have to shit in a box tomorrow. <laughs> Just to everyone know. I'll be sitting in a bowl. The first like, thing you say when you start getting drunk, you're, like, you're just letting out all your stress. <laughs> I'm just like get, getting everyone prepared. <laughs> just getting myself prepared. I was just like, because then the next morning happened and I had to face the music, you know, there was no way. And literally like as soon as I got over that bowl, there was no holding back. That's so funny. Like the thing is, 
vacations are are meant for people to be able to unwind, especially if you don't have children. Yeah, like the whole point of the vacation is for you not to think about any of this type of stuff. Right, and and so when you have to emotionally prepare yourself for over a day to shit in a box <laughs> in the company of people who. Uh, you know, don't see you in stressful situations. So you're also worried about the headspace of everyone around you, making sure that they actually have a vacation. Yeah. Then it, it's like totally antithetical to the whole fucking point of going to the goddamn cabin. <laughs> well, that's a great point because, you know, there's only four of us. It's rather intimate. It's a small cabin. So we're all hanging out. And if I go in my head for like 10, 15 minutes yeah. and just kind of went quiet, People were calling me out. They're like, why are you quiet? What's going on? What are you thinking about? Yeah. And so it's like, you don't really have time to even process all that kind of stuff. Can like all the able-bodied people listening right now, like mm-hmm. I don't mean to discriminate against you based on the fact that you can move your toes without thinking. It, like, can you just close your eyes for a moment? And if I told you that you in fact have to shit in a box before you go to bed tonight, <laughs> like to be fair, it was a bull. It was a bowl, right? Okay, sorry. A box just sounds more like impactful. It does, yeah. Yeah. Because it's a toilet bowl. If I told you that you had to shit in a bowl, like your heart rate for the rest of this podcast would be at like 90 to 100 mm-hmm. resting. Just thinking about it. In a bedroom, hanging in a, a swing. Yeah. And the people who you are with, like you like them. You want to make a good impression on them. You don't want to know what your shit's, you don't want them to know what your shit smells like. Everyone knew I was doing it too, because I got up in the morning and I had obviously told everyone what was happening the day before. (laughs) And so they just start like blasting music. Yeah. They don't have to listen to the sound of my shit hitting a plastic bag. Yeah. Yeah, luckily, like, I'm generally fairly poop shy, as we've talked about, and I've never been less poop shy than in that moment, because there was someone right there, literally beside me. I'm pretty sure we locked eyes for a second as I was shitting. Oh, I've never done that before. That would be horrifying. Yeah, it was was an experience. Karma, police, (laughs) I'm doing what I can, it's not enough. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you added one letter <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i did <laughs> that's parody baby <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that was my experience other than that like, i had a great time um and not that that wasn't even that wasn't a bad time it's just one of those times where like i don't think i've ever felt more vulnerable in my life than when someone is helping me shit into a popcorn bowl Yeah, in a bedroom hanging in a lift, in like a medical lift. Imagine if, imagine if that was a sexy weekend and you're like <laughs> in, 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 in the honeymoon phase with a woman you really like and she's totally cool with all your needs and you've taken everything in stride and you're so excited to be around her and she's a fucking sweetheart. Yeah. And you you're like we're gonna go to montreal together and you spend a month like planning it out you're like interacting with the airbnb person uh several times to clarify things you've you've done your preliminary investigation to make sure everything's accessible and then you get there and you're like so excited to bone and like have the have time with that person And and then it turns out you have to shit in a bowl yeah 
Like, where is that romantic comedy? That's a that's a romantic comedy I want to see. Right. And like, can you make it through that? Yeah. Can your relationship survive that? <laughs> I was thinking that in my head. Like, like, I just, how can you, you're literally staring down the barrel of my butthole <laughs> while I hang in a medical sling, dropping turds into a garbage bowl. Oh, God. If it was that kind of weekend, can you survive that? What would what would that rom com be called? Like when Harriet met Dookie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll go with that. Cool. Um, the fart night. The fart night. What's that based off of? Not a rom com, but the dark night. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Eternal sunshine of the empty pool. <laughs> Keep going. You want to No. 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 Anyway, so yeah, that was uh, that was my weekend, and like that was just the sort of ab- aberrant accessibility stuff. I will say, like, you know, the weekend itself was super fun. I had a great time, and that was a few minutes in the morning of an entire day. You know, it wasn't. It's so funny how those few minutes can be the eternity. Oh yeah, like I, the, literally the whole day leading up to it, I was thinking about. Tomorrow morning, I have to shit in a bowl. <laughs> like, how am I supposed to stay cool through all of this? Like, it, it, it is a weird thing. And I've done it before, you know. But usually with, like, family or, like, my parents. Mm-hmm. And it's just a different vibe. And it's like, Mom, can you cut a hole in this camping chair so I can take a dump in my tent? Yeah. But when when you're with friends and you're trying to, you, you kind of want to, have some opacity in our friendship. This is this is like the argument for not having your friends be your attendants because they can because a hired person can be impartial. Like they're completely okay with it being a job. Yeah, and yeah like your friends will be selfless and not care and understand that that can be a condition of spending time with you. Right. But at the same time, like having that professional boundary. Right. And it goes both ways because it's, you know, in the middle of the night, for example, mm-hmm. if I'm uncomfortable and I run a rule, if I'm there with a friend who isn't like being paid to be there or whatever, part of me has to think, you know, am I uncomfortable enough that this is going to ruin my whole night? Oh, yeah. Or is it going to ruin my day? Or can I get through it so that I don't have to wake up this other person? Yeah. And that's a... That's a vicious loop because I think I usually push myself to a limit where, you know, I probably don't need to. That's so funny. They probably wouldn't be upset if I had called them to just be like, hey, can you move my arm four inches to the left because it's numb? The the general tenets of courtesy have to be like expanded for disabled people when when spending time with the able bodies because like I would say that if I was with you, like, you should wake me for that because... Yeah, and I think all my friends would say the same thing, but it's just something I... It's, like, deep-seated in me. Yeah. And I have a hard time... Like, I know what's happening when it's happening. When when I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, oh, my arm is sore, I'm sure they wouldn't mind if I call. I know if I apologize, they'd be like, don't apologize. Yeah. But I still can't... It's just, like, so ingrained in me that... Yeah, I think it's ingrained in all of us. It's like a general Catholic guilt. Like, I don't know, you have... Yeah, the burden. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, like, you know, my 
trust and abandonment issues that I have definitely don't help because I'm like, oh, if I'm <laughs> too disabled, then they're just going to have a column to move my arm over and they just get in the van and drive home. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> get up and leave the cabin. <laughs> I've had enough of your shit, Tony. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, hey, can you just move my arm a bit? They're like, no, I'm getting the keys. You know what? <laughs> I'm getting the keys. <laughs> we should have planned to watch Misery for this episode. <laughs> because, like, your cabin pains are totally applicable to that film. Well, that's a decent segue um, if we want to start talking about the movie. Unless, like, is there an update on your weekend you wanted to give? I... For God's sake, I don't know what's going on in my life. Nothing really special. <laughs> I have a dentist appointment tomorrow. Oh, boy. Yeah, I know. That gives you some anxiety, right? Oh, it gives me huge anxiety. Do you think you've thought about your dentist appointment tomorrow more than I thought about shooting into a bowl the day before? I Well, you and I are different personalities, and you tend not to be as stressed as me, I think. So you think you've thought about the dentist more than me should Andrew? No, I just, like the thought has occurred to me every day for the past week, though. Oh, wow. Maybe that was a good thing for me because I didn't know I'd be shooting into a bowl until literally the day before. Yeah, maybe. So with you, you you've known about your dentist appointment for a while now. And it's easy. What do you get stressed about, though? Because it's not like your mouth is affected. No, but I hate the transfer from my manual chair to the Mm. dentist chair because there is no such thing as an accessible dentist chair. My dentist just lets me tilt back in my chair. Yeah, they don't. I I can't tilt because I'm in a shitty manual chair from 2002. Can you just lean your head back? No, and I think that the dentist chairs are like anchored to the floor. Oh, really? They, they, they must have some kind of protocol. I should really inquire instead of just thinking that I have to transfer. Yeah, honestly, like, I think maybe for you, they're like, oh, you can transfer, so transfer. But if you emphasize the difficulty of transferring, I'm sure they'd have to make it. For me, they're not looking at me going, just try. Just try to get it to the chair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, well, then you'll be okay. Yeah. We'll be here if you need something. <laughs> yeah, the ground is soft. Don't worry. Yeah, but no, so they actually have dentist chairs where they hit a switch and like air starts blowing down under the chair to relieve the, the friction between the floor and the chair. So it's actually fairly easy to move around. What are you saying? <laughs> it's like it turns into like almost like a hover chair. No. Like they push. I'm not kidding. They push a button on the hover chair. <laughs> Ever since you told me that there was a there was a Mr. MS, I no longer trust any of your stories. <laughs> SMA. Oh yeah, Mr. SMA, sorry. So no, like you uh these dentist chairs, there's like a, a lever you push on them, and it's similar to like how an air hockey table works. It starts blowing air down. <laughs> You really think I'm kidding? <laughs> Floating chairs at the dentist's office. I don't get my dental work done at the Jetsons. What the fuck is this? After this, I'm going to show you. I'm going <laughs> to find a chair online. I'm pretty sure you just watched The Fifth Element while you were high recently. <laughs> like at the dentist, they gave me some drugs and I was like, oh, the chair is floating. <laughs> no, I can imagine that being stressful because um, you're like, what if I make a fool of myself? What if I hurt myself? 
What if, what if, what if? The other thing is, like, they seem to be getting more and more aggressive about, like, clearing plaque. And if I get stabbed by, like, a dental tool, I I spaz. And it makes everything worse. Right. So the whole time I'm trying to tell myself, like, don't spaz, don't spaz, don't spaz, don't spaz. Which in itself makes everything worse. Yeah, which so the whole time I'm like clenched and shit. And then God forbid they like discover something awful, like a cavity yeah. or some sort of dental sin that I've committed in my mouth. And then they're like, Oh, now we have to now we have to knock you out and break your jaw in three places and reconstruct your face. Like that's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you don't floss and you're afraid to transfer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I floss like uh, I try to floss once a day. But... You're just saying that because we're public right now. A hundred percent. You're like, what if my dentist is listening? <laughs> the one thing I do like about the dentist that I go to is that he is cool. Yeah. And he ta- he talks to me about TV, so he knows what calms me down. Right. And then... You're like spazzed out. He's like, Tony Soprano. <laughs> <laughs> He just, he just whispers to me. <laughs> <laughs> Your jaw relaxes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. D- dental etiquette is for sure important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's enough about the dentist. Everyone knows the dentist sucks. This is not unique content. The dentist doesn't bother me as much as it probably should. You know, I haven't had to deal with any actual work yet. I've never had a cavity to date. Um, I really think that I'm past my due date on that one. Oh, no, but that's the that you have that as a bullet point on your dating profile. Yeah, but I really don't think that I've overstayed my welcome on that. Every time I go to the dentist, they're like, no cavity. I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> Check again. <laughs> I actually need to book a dentist appointment, I think. Want to do an awkward segue into the movie? Okay. I wanted to kind of introduce this one because I'm a little confused. So you and I didn't watch together this week. No. Which is only the second time we've never watched together. Yeah. And obviously it's because I was at the cottage and I didn't have the time to do that. In fact, because of me being at the cottage, we are recording this a day later than we're supposed to. Uh Which means if this episode is not coming out, on Thursday, it's entirely my fault. I'm going to try my best, you know, to see if we can get it out even just late on Thursday. Uh-huh. But there's a chance it won't come out till Friday. And if that's the case, hold me to the fire because it's all on me. But you messaged me over the weekend and you said, do you want to watch The Mask this weekend? And I'm, you know, I'm always just down for whatever. I hadn't seen The Mask in years at first i honestly thought you meant the movie about the guy with the disfigured face the man in the iron mask no it's called mask oh because it has share in it you know that movie no but the mask was on our list of movies we should watch for the podcast yeah i kind of remember it being on the list and then i just obviously agreed (laughs) Because <laughs> I do love Jim Carrey. Right. And then, so I watched The Mask tonight, right before we recorded. Yeah, did you watch it with the attendant who prepares your dinner? Well, like the first part of it, yeah. I had a short dinner call because they didn't have 
much time. So we watched like 30 minutes of it together. Did you eat? Yeah. Wait, don't just say, yeah, what did you eat? I don't believe you. Well, because they told me that they were going to be super short. So I knew I wouldn't have time to cook. So I just ordered Thai food. Oh, okay. Okay. So you did eat. Okay. I did eat. Yeah. I was worried that they're like, oh, they just put a piece of celery between my lips and let me finish watching the mask. No, I actually, I ended up ordering like a Thai curry, but because I knew I didn't have any time, I blended up the curry and then put the blended sauce on the rice. Um, So it actually was pretty delicious because it still had like the consistency of just saucy rice. It seems really that you could start your own restaurant of just pureed things. I can't take any credit for that one. What do you I mean? I just ordered the food and put it in a blender. No, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm saying that you like you know how to get the most out of a pureed situation. Yeah, it, for me, it's like if I'm going to puree something, it's got to have the most diverse, complex flavor profile. Like, I wouldn't blend up a piece of toast <laughs> and expect that to be delicious. Oh, right, right. I blended up a burger once and I put, I just loaded it with every topping I could imagine. I know you I told knew, me this story. Oh, okay, yeah. So anyway, yeah, I watched Mask. I watched the one with Jim Carrey, just to be clear. I did. Why? That's the one that I watched as well. Okay, good. So it was definitely a stretch, an abstract thought exercise for this to be a disability movie for sure i'm not even sure i could make the argument that it is i i maybe could make a couple loose arguments that it is but ultimately it's not i don't think and also i haven't seen this movie since i was a child and as a kid i loved it me too i've always been a huge jim carrey fan um i still am you know, it, it, I remember just being like a fun, goofy, sort of like superhero movie. Then I rewatched it tonight, trying to, you know, break it down. Mm-hmm. And uh, it made me deeply uncomfortable. Yeah, it felt tasteless. Maybe like expose on addiction, if I was like trying to pull something out of it. Mm-hmm. But just superficially, it was sort of like... Uh, but you know when like you have that friend at your party and they always tell all these crazy stories, but you're like a little embarrassed for them because of the stories that they're telling are just over the top and uh, extraneous. There's a degree of unreality to them. Like they're clearly just trying to uh, paint a portrait of themselves that is doesn't actually speak to who they are. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt through this whole movie. I felt almost embarrassed that I called this movie my friend as a kid. Yeah, like you're watching like the strange uh, dreams of a of a repressed banker <laughs> who wishes he could hit on the nightclub singer. Yeah. Anyway, so I guess you should introduce the movie. So The Mask is a 1994 um, ostensibly children's film. At the start of Jim Carrey's film career, I believe. Okay, wait. Is it a children's film? Because there's like some pretty heavy stuff in there. At one point, he pulls a condom out. I know. I was going to get to that. Um, that's the strange thing is that I can't really see this movie being for for adults. Like 14-year-olds. Maybe 14-year-olds, maybe. Yeah. Or comic book fans, potentially. 
the demographics seem a little bit dubious. Like, who is the target audience for Ace Ventura? University students in their 20s? I don't know. Yeah, like, I, I'll admit I love Ace Ventura. It holds a dear spot in my heart from growing up. But the first time I watched it was, yeah, like I was like a pre-pubescent, maybe pubescent teen. You, the first time you watched it, you were a teenager? Probably. Because that, that movie came out the same year. I was going to say. It did it actually? Ace Ventura came out the same year as The Mask. It did. 1994. That blows my mind. I maybe watched it for the first time before then, but I don't think I enjoyed it until I was like 12. I need to look this up because I need to make sure. That's a busy year for Jim Carrey, if that's true. Yeah, it came out in, in excuse me, 1994. And so it was, I want to find out the date exactly because I want to know if it was before or after Ace Ventura. Anyway, it would have been produced before Jim Carrey was absolutely huge, I think. So The Mask came out in July. Yep. Ace Ventura came out when? It came out February. So Ace Ventura came out first. Okay, so Ace Ventura, that is interesting. But they would have had to be working on them both at the same time. Like, unless they didn't make this movie in three months. No. Um, so he would have been exactly like making them... Concurrently. Concurrently. But this was the year that Jim... Like, this is the peak of Jim Carrey's career from 94 to like 98, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, so he was just basically like box office gold. But did they know he was gold at the... Like, didn't Ace Ventura kind of propel him forward? I think so. Yeah, that was his big break after In Living Color. So then the mask would have been a gamble. For sure. For sure. Huge gamble. And at the time of filming, he may not have been that big a deal. Yeah. All that is to say, this movie is weird. It's really weird. Basically, the plot is like this thirty, this young 30-something uh, banker uh, is kind of a pathetic loser. He lives on his own in a small bachelor apartment. His walls are covered in pictures of cartoons and he has a dog and his only friend is a coworker. There's not much going on in his life. The movie opens with him being rejected by a woman who he's purchased uh, tickets for to go to some show yeah. with her. And she turns him down and asks if she can use the second ticket for a friend instead. Look, I'll tell you why. Why don't you just go with your friend? Stanley, I couldn't do that. No, come on. <laughs> Stanley, you are the nicest guy. <laughs> really, you are. Yeah. Charlie, isn't Stanley the nicest guy? The best. That sort of idea is repeated over and over and over again when uh, Stanley's not wearing the mask. Uh, every woman in his life just calls him a nice guy. And he's constantly striking out with women he's try just trying to have conversations with. And he can't seem to get what he wants. He's bored in his job. He needs something to lift him out of a rut. One night he goes out with uh, his coworker to a cabaret bar. And um, he gets, oh, what's the... And I'm just going to start recounting the plot verbatim, which is totally uninteresting. How do we approach this differently? Basically, they get a mask. He gets a... He finds a mask sort of after he's at his lowest low. Yeah. He finds some wooden mask. And for whatever reason, he's compelled to bring it home. Um, it looks like a piece of trash. It, it's yeah. floating in a river. 
And he's like, I need to bring this home with me. So he brings it home. And then the next morning, again, sort of inexplicably compelled to put it on. And then as soon as he puts it on, 90s CGI happens. And he turns into this bizarre... It really, to me, felt like a metaphor for Coke. Like a guy snorts Coke and then becomes, in his head, all-powerful. But he's just the same guy. And then he just goes on a rampage. In my mind, it was alcohol. Yeah, I guess the actual substance is sort of irrelevant. But I do think if it does anything thought-provoking, it's addiction. Right. Well, okay, so that's sort of where I was going to approach it from, because when I saw this movie, I remember going to the theater. I was actually brought to the theater by a social worker. My social worker was the daughter of the coordinator of the um, George Jeffries Children's Treatment Center, where I went for physical therapy for years when I was growing up. And you were like obsessed with this movie, right? I was completely obsessed. I think I made Kylie... Uh, my worker like bring me to the theater multiple times yeah and when this film came out on video cassette there was a period between grade one and grade four where i watched this movie like almost every day it was like a it was like a a, an, an autistic obsession yeah i remember having this movie and i i watched it all the time i loved it i could quote it to the point where I felt a lot of that memory and nostalgia yeah. rushing back when I was watching it. Yeah. But I couldn't trace what part of me even enjoyed it back then. I, I couldn't remember what I found funny or what I found amusing. Yeah. Like when Jim Carrey finds this mask, as Anthony said, he's at the lowest of the low. Um, some car mechanics have like uh screwed him out of repairing his vehicle before he goes out to the club that night so he ends up getting this pathetic broken down rental and while he's at the club he gets thrown out because his friends go in before him and he's like he basically has to call the valet to bring his car around and then cameron diaz sees jim carrey um basically waiting for his car He's been beaten up and battered and he feels so pathetic because he got rejected by that woman at the beginning of his workday. And then Cameron Diaz, who is just like the platonic ideal of symmetrical beauty and whatever. She's just like incredibly gorgeous in this movie. It like defies logic, to be honest. I think this might have been like her... If not her first, one of her first roles. It was her first role. And they, they basically give her nothing to work with. Um, she doesn't have a character. She's just there to look incredibly beautiful. Yeah, and like and and she's it's not even just look, like her whole character is just seduction. Yeah, her aura. I'm pretty sure the the direction she got from the director was um, in all of your dialogue scenes, uh, in your mind, just pretend you're like just short of kissing the person you're talking to. Because <laughs> that's that's what it feels. It literally feels like at any moment she could kiss Jim Carrey. Yeah. And you're like the whole time you're like, holy fuck. I honestly was looking over my shoulder as though I was like watching porn in the day. Oh, yeah. I, I know that feeling when like I'm watching a show 
and then a set like a madman or something like not a sexual show yeah and then my attendant's putting me to bed and it just goes into a sex scene and i'm just like how long do i watch this before i just change it <laughs> like how long is it uncomfortable for me while someone's putting me to bed for me to be silently watching two people having sex on screen knowing that that's not what i'm doing is watching porn like i'm pretty sure i've seen like naked porn stars in the middle of the deed um be less salacious than yeah um cameron diaz is like in a single still of this movie maybe there's some like because we're watching it prepubescently, uh-huh. maybe there's like some repressed sexuality that we were getting from this as kids. This is our introduction to that world. Like when, yeah. when we start to wonder if we're actually worried about cooties. <laughs> yeah. You're like, maybe it's not a big deal. I'll take all the cooties. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I mean, I still feel that way if it's Cameron Diaz in this movie. Right. Yeah. And Cameron Diaz in general. Yeah, I have the same complex toward uh, what's her name, uh, Catherine Zeta Jones, for mm, yeah. her role in the the Mask of Zorro. Yeah, she's my version of Rita Hayworth. Those 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 two women. Is it a disability movie, and can we even pretend it is? Why was it even on our list? I don't remember. I don't remember either we could have been referring to another film but there was a that's what i think like there is a movie called mask with share okay and it came out in 85 and it's about a guy with like cranial disfiguration or something like that ah or i mean we could also have watched the phantom of the opera potentially yeah but anyway we watched The Mask, and that's okay. For our 40th episode, we'll just have watched a movie that doesn't really pertain to disability. I think this is 39. Is this 40? I thought this was 40. Yeah, this is 39. Well, for our, for our uh, penultimate 40th, we will have watched a movie that is not, in fact, about disability. I kind of want to ask the question, why the fuck was... Why were we so obsessed with this movie as children? That's what I was trying to figure out the whole time. So I think, I think, and I'm not trying to call myself precocious, but I think that these kinds of power fantasies were pretty fascinating to me as a kid. And maybe it's like a white suburban kid thing in general or whatever, but. Okay. So this is where I was going to think maybe it's a disability thing. Like imagine you can put this mask on and you become fully able-bodied. You can pee standing up. You can run up and down the stairs. Maybe there's a bit of that for us, like just seeing that and just, I wonder how cool it would be to just, just fantasize about the world is yours and you have full control over yourself and basically the world around you. So yeah, because this movie is, is about um, losing your inhibitions and how that empowers you to get what you want. Right. And also like the persuasiveness of mischief to an extent um, in like winning people over and manipulating them. I was also thinking the entire time about the alcohol parallels because every time Jen Carey puts on the mask, he goes out and has a wild night and he does crazy things mm-hmm. and he acts totally on impulse. He abuses people. He destroys property. He is like grossly inappropriate toward women. He's just larger than life. 
super entitled. No conscience whatsoever. The actual Matt, what? Okay, yeah. So yeah, no conscience whatsoever. I was thinking the same thing. For for whatever reason, I was leaning to cocaine, but I think regardless of the substance. Well, I was just comparing it to my own experiences with alcohol, right. where like I I kind of felt like you know in the middle of the euphoria of peak drunkenness, yeah. you kind of do feel like the mask. You feel a hell of a lot funnier than you actually are. Um, you do things you would never do. Uh, you say things you would never say, yeah. and you attempt to get away with things that you know potentially aren't good or fair or completely above board. Exactly. And I've never done cocaine, but I have heard from people who have and stories randomly that that's sort of a similar thing like you just feel unstoppable. And that message or that potential meaning of the movie sort of aligned even more when there's that one scene where uh, he gets shot in the tie and his tie turns into a piece of his clothing and it's the same pajamas that he was wearing the night before. And you just sort of assume that this whole thing is just a grandiose delusion in his own mind. What I really liked uh, was that, or one of the only things I actually liked about the masks character or Jim Carrey's alter ego id is that the movie never really tries to make him endearing to the audience. Like he might be likable to the extent that he inconveniences other characters that we don't like, you know, that, that he helps Stanley uh, attract a woman or that he gets revenge on the, uh, on the manipulative mechanic, um, et cetera, et cetera. But he actually um, never does anything selfless or good purely just fucking around and in that sense he's quite menacing like were you not creeped out by the mask i was creeped out by him like physically like the actual appearance yeah because the the makeup that jim carrey wears it's how do i put it it makes him look like a skull or like a undead zombie kind of and there's a his brow is kind of pointed and furrowed like he's menacing or mean-spirited. I didn't even feel like there were so many scenes in this movie where I couldn't tell if it was actually Jim Carrey. It, the mask was so bizarre and it broke all sort of suspension of disbelief for me. I kept thinking, oh, that's just a stunt double dancing right now. Like, Jim Carrey, his performance didn't even really impressed me in this because the whole time it was hard to even tell that it was him when i was a kid i didn't know that it was the same actor i didn't understand that right and i i mean i guess like at seven or eight years old you don't even like you don't create an itinerary of big name actors no when i was eight years old i thought that the power rangers were real i think i was starting to accumulate my like internal movie database at that point because my parents always spoke about escapism in terms of what actors were in it and the genre and all these different aspects of it. So I was starting to catalog, but I had no idea that they were the same person. Um, And it's not even that obvious. Like if you're just a casual moviegoer, because the, the makeup does this weird thing where he still, 
It's not like an uncanny valley thing where you're looking at him and he doesn't look like a person yeah. or he looks like a person in a costume. It's actually some weird, like kind of impressive middle ground between a uh, uh, creature, like horror movie creature and actual person. He looks sort of undead or like a, a wacky cartoonish zombie. And then I Jim Carrey is kind of like, He's a he, he's an incredible physical performer. Like he's on yeah. par with Peter Sellers or Charlie Chaplin or, or whatever, where he completely knows how to get a laugh from moving his body. Yeah. And and his like vocal expressions too. Yeah, his what what he can do with his face, like he knows how to make you laugh that way. I don't even really think I've heard Jim Carrey tell that many jokes, like formal jokes with a setup and a punchline it's purely just his his mannerisms and his like penchant and appetite for like a uh, uh, disarming goofiness i think that's why i liked him so much as a kid because i knew that i couldn't really move my body mm-hmm. but jim carrey taught me that you can make people laugh just with your face and the way you talk this is the point that i that i wanted to 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 make earlier um is that he has a similar sensibility as Robin Williams, who mm. is a little bit more versatile depending on your like stand-up comedy tastes. Yeah. Uh, like Robin Williams has a more robust idea of comedy itself and the punchline. Yeah. But I would argue that him and Jim Carrey understand their bodies and how to make it contribute to the joke or the laughter. Yeah. Um, and I don't think of Jim Carrey as a children's entertainer. Um, mm. which is why this movie, like watching it as an adult kind of su- surprised me because I watching this now, like if I had a kid, I would have been like, no, I have to turn this off. Like there are some undertones here and some, some suggestions that are like fundamentally wrongheaded. There's a, the movie definitely has a, a women problem Yeah, and, um, there's, it's, it's creepy and it's endorsing some strange things. Yeah, when I was watching it with my attendant for the first 30 minutes, I I don't know if like it was sort of to protect myself or I, I felt like I had to keep being like, what is happening? <laughs> like I just kept saying that out loud because I, I felt like if I didn't say that, people she would think that I was really into it and I didn't want to give that impression. Like you didn't have enough time to give her the context of your childhood and how much this movie meant to you when you had poor judgment. Yeah. So Jim Carrey is not a children's entertainer, but it's not hard to understand why he does appeal to children. Right. And so I was going to make the argument that Jim Carrey might have been the first adult performer. I just mean like adult in terms of his age, not genre. <laughs> He's the first adult performer that children understand. And in fact, he may understand what it means to like, he may embrace his inner child. Yeah. He's very, he is very childlike. He's very elastic and yeah. very emotional. And I'm, I'm sure he's a manic depressive and I know he's evolved over time. And um, especially now, like the, 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 his later career, he's much more self-aware, I think, as a person. Yeah. And he's he's taken on some really, really interesting roles. I think the TV show Kidding yeah. was so be- beautiful. That first season, man, I watched that in a particularly tough time in my life. 
And I fucking cried so much. I was afraid I was going to give my phone water damage. <laughs> that was a beautiful, beautiful TV show. It was so good. That show was so good. Yeah. And that's sort of after he had his, you know, epiphany or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. in his personal life where he's, he now sort of has separated himself from almost himself, but definitely his own, all of his past characters and as I said, I was a big fan as a kid. He was a big idol for me growing up, like, comedy-wise. Just, like, the the way he expressed himself. That's partially why I loved Ace Ventura so much. Is like, he, nothing really happens in those movies. And he's not really saying anything. But the delivery on all of his lines is just so good. Like, on, on paper, that movie's terrible. But then you see him breathe life into that role mm-hmm. and it becomes this whole other thing. And that's one one reason why the mask sort of works as sheer like in the moment entertainment. Yeah. Uh, because <clears throat> Jim Carrey is the perfect bridge between reality and animation. Right. He's a very elastic individual. The special effects in this movie are rough. Yeah. They're cartoony. They're they're very cartoony. Yeah, there's some of them work very very well depending on the lighting and yeah. how much else is moving around when it occurs, and it is like quite iconic. Like these are special effects movie moments, sort of in the realm of the 1993 Jurassic Park, where you realize that you're you're watching something special. It's not quite there. Yeah, that seems like a stretch. But there's a couple scenes that are are, are really truly uh, good. It's really hard to know how much of it is nostalgia. It is very very hard. I even when I was watching this, I remember owning toys that were sp- specific instances of the mask character yeah. in the middle of the special effect that he that he was known for. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, like the eyes bugging out of the head and the jaw dropping. Yeah, and yeah. you could you could take off like pieces of him and put him into a different special effect moment. Yeah, and I remember loving those toys. Like they were the toys that I only played with occasionally because I cherished them. Yeah, they didn't go in the bathtub. Like that's how far back <laughs> I, I have memories of the mask. It's it's bizarre. Yeah, but I so I have this kind of thing where, like, I know when I was a kid, I watched movies obsessively because they gave me a window into the adult world. Mm -hmm. And I sort of had this assumption, you know, in grade school, way up until I left the house to Carlton, where I, I just sort of knew or assumed that there were parts of adult life that I would just never experience. Yeah, so I reserved them as an experience that I would have vicariously through film that is a pretty precocious thought well but i was just obsessed with with movies like well let's not use the past tense (laughs) yeah that's true but but if i found out as a kid like on a saturday that we weren't able to rent a movie or that we had already seen all of the new releases i would literally like have a bit of a like internal tantrum yeah you wouldn't know what to do yeah i would panic yeah and so I guess like you end up feeling kind of grateful to these these performers that like occupy that middle space between uh, childhood sensibilities and appealing things and like the adult world. 
And so, you know, Robin Williams and Jim Carrey, uh, maybe maybe Jeff Goldblum to a degree. Hmm. Yeah, I think just the, the first two for me. Maybe Eddie Murphy. Eddie Mur- Oh, Eddie Murphy, of course, Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, we, I couldn't watch Raw until I was 17 or something. But yeah. I always remember thinking of Eddie Murphy as, like, edgy and doing things that my parents didn't approve of. Yeah. Not for racial reasons, I hope. <laughs> and yeah, like there is an edge to Jim Carrey. There's a playfulness that occasionally veers into dark territory. And the mask is sort of flirting with that, but he never like sort of fully goes there until the cable guy. Right. And I remember the cable guy being the only Jim Carrey movie that I had no desire to own as a child because it was so weird that it was alienating. I'd rather have the cable guy than this movie now. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because the cable guy at least knew that that Jim Carrey's character was a total creep. Yeah. In The Mask, though, like they kind of set him up as like, as I was saying before, they say like many characters multiple times assert that he's a nice guy. And I think that's supposed to be the entire justification for why um, Cameron Diaz's character is attracted to him. Because all the men in her life are merely using her for her her performative appeal at the club and for sex, I guess, most obviously, because she is the movie's sex object. Yeah. And so as a child, like you're kind of watching this and you're you're seeing like uh uh what's his name? What's Jim Carrey's like sober character's name? Ipkiss. Stanley Ipkiss. You're seeing Stanley like get shot down and be pathetic and not have a nice car which is supposed to be like a successful status symbol he walks around wearing like a drab like brown suit and his uh yeah there's he's got nothing going on then he wears this mask and suddenly he's dancing with cameron diaz in the middle of the club he's like fighting with gangsters and dodging bullets he's beating up bullies in the streets and he's making uh law enforcement look embarrassed and he's being funny and all that stuff. So it's like, yeah, like alcohol can improve your lives, kids. And, you know, don't worry about the hangover in the morning because you can just drink again in the evening. Well, I don't think they were kids are having that. I don't think kids are making that conclusion. No, of course not. But I mean, like, that's still sort of the movie never really thinks that the mask in the hands of Stanley is bad. Right. And when like there is a scene in the film when uh, as the mask, he finally has a moment alone with uh, with Cameron Diaz and he ends up being super duper rapey. Hello, again? Is it fate? Is it meant to be? Is it written in the stars that we are destined to fraternize? I'd like to think so. <laughs> Kiss me, my dear, and I will reveal my croissant. I will spread your pate. I will dip my ladle in your vicious walls. Dip my ladle. I will reveal my croissant. I will poop in a bag because your place is inaccessible. I make sure to bring a double rainbow. <laughs> I do think that, you know, even just hearing that back, his delivery, his vocal expressions are very funny. My dish is wow. I don't know even if that is a French word. It's just like, it makes you kind of 
get drawn right in. You want to become that character. Although, as an adult, it's easier to see how creepy that character is. Mm -hmm. But as a kid, you're just hearing a fun accent and fun words being thrown around like croissant. And you want to just sort of embrace it. Yeah. So I can still see that appeal because he is a great performer. Yeah, I know. It's so conflicting. Yeah. It just doesn't age well at all. I think the demographic is, yeah, like kids who want to be superheroes, but like alt superheroes or something. Like it almost has like a dark version of Mystery Men vibe. Yeah. I do like the idea that uh, some negative aspects of your personality can actually be leveraged to help you. Like I'm a big proponent of acknowledging and trying to uh, deconstruct reasons for getting angry. Yeah. I have a poor temper. It's something that I've tried to confront more, you know, in my late twenties, early thirties and process properly. But I, like I've, I've said this on the podcast before, like anger is an indication that something needs to change. And so if you can harness it and be self-aware and try to diffuse the hurtful elements of it and use it for something good, then you should. You shouldn't repress it. You shouldn't pretend it's not there. You should try to process it and and still be who you are. Like, don't just see red. So I like this idea of Jim Carrey needing the mask at first in order to understand that there is this side of him that he doesn't embrace very often. Right. But, you know, in order to see the value of addressing his repression. Yeah, this sounds like a commercial for drugs. Yeah, I mean, it's not... Like, I would be interested in a version of this movie directed at adults, you know? And I like like the idea of... Limitless. If there has to be more superhero movies, then let it be about a villain for once i like I, i'm not very confident that sony can make a good venom film but uh i wouldn't mind if i have to watch another superhero movie i want it to be about the villain for christ's sake yeah i guess people are afraid that it will humanize a villain to the point of excusing them no there's we're we're in 20 years of Strong anti-hero television programs. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could argue that we are post to that. But I just think, like, for a Marvel movie, it's hard you, It's hard to dive that deep in. A television series, I can see for sure. Marvel movies have done it before. There, there have been compelling villains in Spider-Man films. I would love to see it, too. Maybe I'm just being a little pessimistic about it. My Vichyswar! Although the Joker, right? Well, there's a lot of Joker vibes in this movie, right? Yeah. There like are. he's an anarchist that like that like doesn't appear to really have a value system and he's totally acting on impulse. Yeah. And he can't really be stopped. Driven by a potentially one-sided made-up romance with a woman. Right. You are like I found myself somewhat rooting for the cops in this movie, which is weird as an adult. Yeah. I wanted uh, I wanted a moment where like Stanley recognizes that he's guilty in in the movie like in uh, in the clip that I provided he basically just 
uh, rationalizes it and calls himself a hopeless romantic. Like, you're not a hopeless romantic. You're a rapey asshole. It's like, uh, it's like it, it, it brings your innermost desires to life. If deep down inside you're a little repressed and a hopeless romantic, you become some sort of a love-crazy wild man. And if you're somebody like Dorian? Then we're all in big trouble. And if I were you, I'd get out of town. But the funny thing about this is, like, even though, again, this is a children's movie. I'm not convinced on that. Well, for 1994, it is. Like, you, you got to think, in 1995, fucking Mortal Kombat was semi-directed at kids. I guess. Yeah, like, in the 90s, there was, like, a different standard for what constituted kids' movie. Yeah. The, the Super Mario Brothers movie was really dark. Really? Yeah. Uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie... Holy fuck. Go back and watch that. It was. That's true. Yeah. The fidelity of Jim Henson puppeteering and shit. Like that was practically a monster film. Yeah. Okay. I'm sold. Anyway. So what I was just thinking about, like, so that edge to Jim Carrey and his sort of willingness to be like a creepy asshole um, to, to push the line wherever it is. That to me feels like more imposing and potentially interesting villainy to have to oppose as a hero than like Thanos in the fucking Avengers movies. I, I mean, I guess I, I, I can't really make any significant arguments about the uh, implications of the finger snapping or whatever the fuck. Uh -huh. But I, I just mean like in terms of actually wanting to watch a villain, like somebody who interrupts the hero and forces them to confront themselves. I feel like the mask is is more interesting in his um, refutation of conventional values or or what is popularly considered to be polite nowadays than like anyone on fucking Marvel, with the exception of maybe Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, this is just like an animated character asshole from 1994. It, it is a superhero movie, right? Yeah, I think for kids, for sure, it, it gives you the sense of like overwhelming power and just complete control over your environment. Um, especially like as a prepubescent kid, you you sort of relinquish control over your own body. I don't know. Maybe I'm just trying to draw really complex. It's like when you go to an art show and there's a piece of paper with a dot on it and you're trying to like draw up all these analogies and metaphors of i don't think i don't think we're reaching in terms of how we're talking about this film and its subtext yeah maybe i uh like when you're a child like reality doesn't really mean much to you yet and so it's exciting the prospect of seeing um a convergence of like cartoon and reality is really really exciting yeah like there's a reason why we weren't totally turned off by the space jam movie it's the premise of our cartoons like coexisting with us in the real world the way they do in our imaginations is just inherently thrilling. Yeah. And you you combine that with Jim Carrey's apparent understanding of what makes children and like people laugh, then you you get like a kind of interesting chemistry of things that are appealing despite the fact that the surrounding movie is pretty shitty. Well, speaking of subtext, I really wanted to try to draw a parallel disability and 
And it's it's a stretch, but there is sort of a through line, very silver lining, you know, optimistic. But the idea that your true potential, you already have it. If you just sort of believe in yourself and be yourself, instead of trying to be something you're not or be something that isn't your authentic self, to try to get a girl or a job or whatever milestone you think you need to hit. I was able to relate with that a bit and just, you know, I'm very guilty, especially in my past, but even still of of like pretending I'm someone I'm not or sheltering people from parts of myself that I'm insecure about or I think would scare people away, like shitting into a bowl. Yeah, like chronically downplaying your needs will fuck you up over time. Exactly. Even just like as it starts to get colder, I, I go through this every year where I start to sort of have this inward, but then it becomes an outward struggle with what is my limit with being cold? Because I try so hard to be like, I love winter. It's fine. I can handle it. And, you know, objectively, I think winter is beautiful. I wish that I could partake in winter activities. Yeah. But I also know, realistically, my hands don't work when they get cold. I need my hands to move. If I can't move, I feel very disabled and I'm sort of stuck. And so I start to avoid winter and Every year, this time of year, I definitely push myself too far as it starts to get colder and put myself in more and more precarious situations because I'm afraid of sort of playing my hand too openly. And this movie, if it could do anything for disability or for me and my disabled experience, it was to just sort of remind me that my limits and my abilities and everything, if I own them, my life will just get easier and I'll inevitably sort of just be happier. And so that was the one silver lining I was able to pull out of it. And sort of the one disability um, parallel I was able to draw. I constantly think about what inhibitions I have that do not actually serve me in a net positive way. Right. And then I think about why I have those inhibitions. And then I think about how I can get rid of them in a sober manner yeah. while remaining like, you know, who I am and not behaving self self-destructively. Yeah. And this movie, there's a lot of self-destruction in this movie, Yeah. but because it's directed at children, it can't really go anywhere besides extracting you know, the surface level entertainment value from that. Yeah. I really, I don't think I can think of any other real disability parallel to draw. This is our second movie that we watched with Jim Carrey in it uh, that featured, or that we tried to make about disability. What was the first one? Simon Birch. Simon Birch is way more about disability than this. Uh, Yeah, of course. Of course. Simon Birch is very much about disability. It is, but it's like one of those one of those disability movies that we didn't like the 
a lot of what it was doing with disability, but it's, I don't think you can argue it's not a disability movie. Yeah, it was one of those like late 90s disability movies that could have been written by an able-bodied person. Yeah, well, it, it's still a worthy exercise, I think, to see what we can draw out of a movie. And if it's not a disability movie, it's not. But it, it was kind of fun for us to just, or at least for me, to be able to go back and watch it and form a new opinion. Because in my mind, this was a movie I liked. And then I rewatched it, and now it's a movie I don't really like. Yeah. It, it made me think about my mom in a weird way. Like, thinking about, like, how much pain she went through having to tolerate me watching it, like, every day for two or three years. <laughs> like, what do you see in this movie? <laughs> yeah. It's like parents nowadays who have to cope with their kids watching Frozen over and over and over. Maybe we should watch Frozen and see if that's a disability movie. <laughs> When it gets cold out, I can't build a snowman. Do you want to do a wheel breaker? Yeah, okay. Can we, like, can we please, like, try to use our poll as disabled celebrities? We don't have poll. Wait, wait, just, I wanted to pretend for a moment that we have that poll. Oh, yeah, okay. To the three people listening. Yeah, we're fucking the wrong broad burgundies of Kreffles. Come and see how good we look. How can they see if you refuse to do anything video related? Oh, good point, Tony. Well, you're the handsome one. Get out of here. <laughs> you're very, very, very ridiculously good looking. I was not fishing. I was not whatever the giver end of fishing is. <laughs> I was not loading a worm onto your hook. <laughs> Giggity. <laughs> Have you ever been fishing? Yeah, all the time. As a kid, I grew up. That was like one of my favorite activities. Are you being facetious? No, I'm not. Fish I used to be able to actually like <laughs> swing the rod over my shoulder to cast the line and everything. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's definitely a sport that we can do. Well, I can't do it anymore. Well, I mean, someone could cast the lines. Actually, now I couldn't even reel it in. Imagine if fishing was a popular thing for a first date. I'm sure you could make it a thing. <laughs> In Thunder Bay, I'm sure it fucking is. There's an app called Plenty of Fishing. Okay, what, what were we doing? We're playing... Do you want to do it? Because I know you're not like a big fan anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it this time around. Sure, 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 sure. Okay, okay. Wheel Breakers. I haven't heard that in a while, but... I'm going to draw on my own experience here, and I'm going to say I'll make you fully able-bodied, but for the rest of your life, you cannot pee or poo in a toilet. <laughs> you can find other ways. Like, I have to poo or pee in a different location uh, every day of the week? Yeah, you can't just, like make your own bowl and then that becomes your own personal toilet i just develop my own smart toilet no yeah you have to like basically macgyver a toilet every time every time yeah all right how about just for pooping you can pee into a toilet just for pooping. i'll try to make it easier for you so i'm like those people that like potheads that finagle a bong out of anything but instead it's finagle a fucking toilet bowl yeah You'll be like, every time you get to a new place, 
you start scoping out the cupboards to see if you can find like a suitable vessel. I, I'm the Puma Gruber. Yeah, Puma Gruber. <laughs> so, what if I'm like going to a friend's house? I have to do the same thing. Yeah, you'd be like, like he'll be texting you, like, "Hey, you want to come over tonight?" <laughs> you're like, "Yeah, you have any bulls you don't like anymore?" <laughs> you don't like. <laughs> and it just becomes part of it. Like, maybe your friends keep inviting you over. Maybe they don't. Maybe they. Uh, maybe your friends start being like, "Hey, Jamie." Uh, come on over, just so you know, all I have left is a colander. <laughs> um, so figure it out. That sounds so incredibly stressful. Definitely seems like an inconvenience. Yeah, like I don't think you could ever get good at it, no matter how much you... Like, I don't even think there are survivalists. I think you could get good at it. I was pretty good at shooting into a bag. But the... But- <laughs> But in the dead of winter, like in February in Thunder Bay, like I can't just... It doesn't have to be outside. I, but as I'm saying is that I would default to shitting outside if I absolutely had to. Would you though? Are you going to pick it up after like a dog? Are you just going to no, shit have a... on a driveway and walk away? <laughs> I'll, just, I'll have a designated shitting pit. Yeah, but it's a different spot every time. You have to, like, <laughs> when you show up, you dig yourself a hole for later. Wait, wait. Does it have to be a different spot every time, like for the next 30, 40 years? Well, I don't want you to just make your own outdoor toilet somewhere and just use that. That's too easy. <laughs> it's too easy. I have to make it a challenge for you. <laughs> I have to make it a challenge. <laughs> Fuck off, Tony. <laughs> this is the worst. Being able-bodied doesn't come for free, Jamie. <laughs> it doesn't come for free. Ambulation comes at a price. Oh, God. That's awful. Is it more awful than mocking? <laughs> oh, I, I forgot how fun this game is. <laughs> <laughs> I just, like, imagine having to explain that to a partner. That's a great point. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> hey, do you want to meet up? Yeah, but just so you know. You ne- you can never like go to the bathroom around them. I have a thing about toilets <laughs> where I can't use them. Yeah, I can't. I momentarily toilet cripple. You like have a favorite brand of garbage bag that you have to use? You like bring your own garbage bag? Yeah, that would significantly like, warp a person's personality. Yeah. They would become like unusually uncomfortable, or sorry, unusually comfortable just pooping. Are these the Glad Extra Flex? Because <laughs> I can't use those. No, fuck that. I need the scented ones. Actually, you know what? I'm going to bring my own bag. God damn it. Uh-huh. Just terrible. Like, you definitely go to jail a few times for indecent exposure. Yeah, I don't think the police officer would be like, what were you doing, sir? And you're like, I used to be disabled. <laughs> and you'd be like, oh, I understand. Karma police. <laughs> Shit into a bag, it's the only choice. Shitting on the floor, cause... I have no options. Can do it. You know what? Just for fun, I'm gonna do it because I. It is I, fun, I, right? Yeah, I'm. I'm tired of my chair. Fuck my chair. Yeah, and you're tired of toilets. 
and my fucking sore back and yeah. and and that stupid wooden staircase behind me that I have to climb every day and substitute for exercise. There'd probably be a Vice article written about you. Like, man who never uses toilets arrested again. <laughs> I would try to make it into like some kind of lifestyle movement. There you go. Yeah. Okay, so no real. What would they call me? Like the bowel prowler or something? <laughs> the bra- the bowler? <laughs> All right. Um, so here's my wheel breaker, Kay. Okay. It's not going to be nearly as fun. So you get to be 100% able-bodied, but you as Tony, my friend Tony, mm-hmm. you have to take 100 selfies a day, sexy selfies, and you have to post them on Instagram. Oh, so I just become super vain. Yeah. A hundred a day? A hundred, yeah. Everything you do has to be chronicled with a sexy selfie. I'm not even doing a hundred different things in a day. Well, then you're going to have to diversify your your day. <laughs> so yeah, do you think I would just start doing more stuff so that I have a more Instagram-worthy, interesting life? Absolutely. Or would I just embrace it and just post pictures of me still at my desk? <laughs> still at my desk. At my desk still. Oh, I took a sip of water. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) I mean, option two sounds kind of fun. Just almost like an anti-Instagram. Yeah. It's like a barrage of updates of nothing. It's all unflattering angles. Yeah. That'd be fun. Those people who go on Zoom meetings, but they don't like adjust the downward angle of their video camera. So you can always see up their nose and all of the yeah. wrinkles and crevices of their face. I already kind of do that because my phone is mounted to my chair. <laughs> That's true. And so it's either the selfie camera, or you can just see the corner of my head from a terrible angle uh, <laughs> in the corner of this, the frame yeah. or the regular frame. You see the floor with my foot in the picture. And sometimes people will be like, they'll send me a picture, like someone I'm newly talking to that doesn't fully understand my life. They'll send me like a snap or like a picture. They'll be like, send me something. And I'll just send them the floor. (laughs) And I was like, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, that's all I can do for you. Yeah. We should create create the, the cripple selfie stickle. That's true. We should. It should be voice activated. That'd be fun. I would love to be able to actually take pictures. So maybe if I was able-bodied, I would just enjoy the photography. Maybe. But a hundred a day. Yeah, a hundred. And and at least 40% of them have to have chest hair. What if Instagram like starts to limit me? And they're like, okay. That's not happening. 50 a day is enough. No, that's not happening. You're just going to have to get comfortable with how you look in your selfies. I have to self-accept. It's I I would be fine. Like the selfies themselves don't really bother me. It's it's more what bothers me is posing. I don't like when life freezes for a picture. I don't either. I never make a good face in those moments. No, I don't mind someone takes a picture of me or I take a picture of myself without thinking about it too much. Yeah. They're just like, hey, where where are you? And I'm like quickly snap a selfie that doesn't bother me but when you're like trying to make the perfect post picture that frustrates me it's forced yeah when life has to pause for that 
drives me nuts. I'm kind of scared of people who are good at that. Well, I guess I would get good at it. Yeah, you would. I'm still not sure. Uh, I think I would do it and I would just sort of make like a subversive Instagram account where I would just take unflattering pictures, you know, just ridiculously mundane, banal updates. And then I could probably have fun with that. But even that would get old. It would very quickly. Yeah. I don't know. Can I just do it until I get bored of it and then stop and become disabled again? <laughs> like, can I just like take a year-long sabbatical? That would be such a funny moment. The moment when you realize you would rather be disabled. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and I'll just take my last Instagram picture. <laughs> Guys, this is it. <laughs> After this, I'm going to stop taking pictures and I'll be disabled again. Yeah, I'm Cinderella back from the ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll do that. That would be fun. People start following me just to see how long I can hold out. Yeah, yeah. That would be fascinating to like write about, like honestly, honestly, the philosophical state of mind that you're in before you decide to go back into your chair. Yeah. You're like, honestly, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> I don't mind blending up a burger if I have to. Yeah. Puree is okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll try it out. No wheel. No wheel. All right. No wheel is confusing. I know. But I guess you have to go listen back to all of our epi- other episodes. If you're just starting here and you don't understand the concept of wheel or no wheel, then just go back and listen to every other episode. Yeah, we're not going to fucking explain it to you. What do you think this yeah. is? We're not redoing every episode every time. Yeah, we're too much of a big deal now. Get the fuck out of here. If you're missing context, just go back. Yeah. We have four followers now. <laughs> there are at least half a dozen people listening to this <laughs> half a dozen think about that think about that alright well that's it for me I don't have anything else to say neither do I let's fucking end this thing goodbye bye everyone bye